every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd. He's also the co-founder of River's Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur. I am your host, Brian Carney. This is a show where I interview an entrepreneur while we sample a beer that I've never had, and I give the beer a rating at the end. My guest today, all the way from the West Coast, is Casey Jaycox, an author, speaker, podcaster, and owner of a leadership and sales development co- coaching business. And he's worked with some of the biggest companies in the United States, such as Stryker, Keller Williams, and my personal favorite, Taylor Made. Casey, welcome to the show. Awesome, Brian. I'm honored to uh, to be here. And, and this wouldn't have happened. So we got to give love to the prior family because without them, we're not here. That's right. Past guests on my program, Henna Pryor, introduced me to you so I could be a guest on your podcast. And now you're on my podcast. So we're going all full circle in many different ways. The gift just keeps on giving. That's like, right. It's like the Jolly of the Month Club from the Griswolds. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Well, for our conversation, I uh, happen to love Cape May Brewing, and I am going to try a, they did a combination beer with, uh, it looks like it's called the Qualified Captain, aka Boat Ramp Champ, which is a Hell's Lager. So I'll give this a review at the end. Ooh, cannonball it. That's right. Yeah. Let's see how, how that would go. That would make for an interesting uh, conversation. Um. Well, first of all, I'm excited to have you on, uh, you know, your background as an athlete, which we'll certainly get into. But uh, where I wanted to start is tell us a little bit about your business and what you do. Yeah, I um, so I was a 20 year corporate guy uh, and I left and then coaching found me. Uh, I knew I wanted to write a book, which is called Win the Relationship, Not the Deal. I knew I wanted to start a podcast, which is called the Quarterback Dadcast. I did not anticipate these two merging into one, but they completely do. Yeah, uh, It's so fun. I interview a lot of my clients, um, which I've found helps them become more vulnerable and authentic to their companies because their companies get to learn more about their leader as a father in that side of work. And it, it further, I guess, promotes just being yourself Yeah, because ideally everybody else is already taken. So you might as well just be yourself anyways. <laughs> um, but what I, what I do is really, I, so I speak. And then I, I, I coach. And so I, I coach around really, I'd say three areas that I've become very consciously competent with is humility, vulnerability, and curiosity. Mm. And I work with sales teams. I work with sales leaders. I work with executives um, from industries such as staffing, consulting, obviously the golf industry now. I yeah. do work in the um, insurance field. I do work in wealth management. I don't know part of my French shit about wealth management. Yeah, hopefully I've put that little e, but I I know a lot about relationship building, and to me is like as much as you know what's what's common sense to me is not common to others, and vice versa. That's why like I'm the world's worst handiest person in the United States history. Right, but we all got our strengths, and so I um it's by far the most rewarding work I've ever done. Yeah, you don't realize how much you know because I've spent you know I spent twenty something years at a company, and then when you get out, you don't realize what you learned. You know you maybe knew some stuff, but now sure. when you get to give it away, it's the best. Yeah. Well, that, there's a, that's a pretty amazing uh, thing to be able to do to kind of have that, 
flip of that point of view once you've spent doing one thing for a, a long period of time and then realizing, oh, wow, I actually learned a lot and I can actually help people in a, in a dramatic way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's so funny when, you, when you're out and I go help companies, whether I'm doing like, uh, you know, leadership gap assessment work or I'm doing coaching or I'm speaking and I'm not the smartest in the room, far from it, but I, yeah. I usually can pick out the gap really, really quickly. Yep. based on a few questions because I'm not in their business. I'm not in them. And when people are in their business, there's they're surrounded by noise, emotion, the story they tell themselves, all these things that are called excuses. Yeah, for me, I got to come in and just say, I got no relationships to anybody. I can quickly see a gap. And then I I don't tell them what their gap is. I usually ask questions so they can come to their own realization themselves. Yeah. Well, and you, you seem to have what you teach people is transferable to a lot of different industries. Like you mentioned, you don't know shit about financial services, but you know, you, you work with financial services, but you also work with painting companies and golf companies. And, you know, so how is that, uh, how are you able to sort of have that message go across consistently to different industries? Because relationships are every business needs relationships. Yeah. Every universal. Yeah. Whether it's, I mean, it it applies to a teacher and a student, a principal and a teacher, a recruit and a high school athlete. Uh, a jury and a lawyer. Yeah. We all have relationships we're looking for. And so I, when I wrote my book and then I moved into coaching, I thought about like, okay, what, when I was doing things at a high level or an elite level, what was I doing? How did, how did I do it? And yeah. And that's how I kind of came up with the six pillars of the book. And as the author, I've read this book seven or eight times and I've learned something from myself every time I read it. That's great. (laughs) Kind of embarrassing to say, but it also (laughs) proves the point that, you know, I'm not perfect at these things. Yeah, and I and I am still working hard every single day to make. Hey, am I am I bringing positivity to the huddle to mm-hmm. my team? Am I clearly setting expectations, or am I leaving people in the loop? Am I listening, or am I just there to listen to what I want to? I want to I want to hear yeah. one thing and then talk about me more, and then you talk about me because I'm really. Am I documenting what I write down in my CRM? Am I checking my ego? Am I being myself? Am I practicing? And then lastly, am I using patience to let yes. relationships develop over time? And you know, so I don't. Find me a business that doesn't need those six things. You know, actually, I want to I want to ask you a question real quick about because you just said patience in as it relates to a relationship. And one of the th- mistakes that we see people in our industry make that's relatable to that is let's say you meet a center of influence. Uh, accountants are good centers of influence for financial planners. I feel like many people in our world don't have the patience to let that relationship sort of, you know, simmer, if you will. It's sort of like I meet you two times and hey, that guy didn't give me three referrals. I'm never talking to him again. How often are you teaching people like, hey, man, that is the exact wrong strategy? All the time. I teach what's called a boomerang mindset. Mm -hmm. So what does a boomerang do if you throw it well? You throw it and it comes back to you. That's right. The, the, the key in boomerang mindset is you don't keep score. Mm. So it exactly attacks what you just talked about. So in my mind, what fills my tank is connecting people. I love yeah. making connections. I love, and I don't care who, if it comes back, because I know it will. Yep. It might be a year, it might be two years. Um, I never leave someone off the phone like, hey, tell me, how can I help you? Who do you want to yeah. meet with? What's, tell me who you're, what's frustrating you right now? How, how can I try to, and watching other people get involved and then like, it just that fills my tank more than anything. And yeah. um, I'm so with you on that, by the way. Yeah. I love that. I love, I always say, I love to be a guy that knows a guy. 
you know, you and to be able to say like, I want people to come to me and go, Hey, I need a roofer. I got you, you know, and I love being able to connect to those people. So I, you know, that really resonates with me pretty, pretty well. So you, you have a traditional start to a career, you know, you work in corporate America for 20 years. Is there a singular moment that you decided like, Hey, I got to get out of here and start my own business. Or how did, how did that happen? How did you end up starting your own company? Yeah. So I was like a top rep for X amount of years. And yeah. then my, our, our, C, our former company was like the company I was with, our CEO kept saying, how do we, we need mini cases. How do we need to create mini cases? I was like, well, I, I can't do it in the role I'm doing. So they were awesome. They created this role. And what, what like, industry were you in, by the way? This was at K-Force with Henna. Okay. That's where I met Henna. Okay. And so, so staffing, the staffing yeah. consulting business. And, and then they created this role for me where it was, um, you know, 30% executive sponsor over one of our largest accounts, 30% replicate kind of what we did out of like moving from a certain, certain service, you know, elevating it from a customer's view. Um, I did some coaching mentorship internally on like working with teams to come do different things or more at a more higher level. And then lastly, I was like doing some speaking and some writing. And so at the end of that three-year run, they wanted me to get back and producing, run a desk. Yeah. And the analogy I like to say is imagine if you're a pilot and you, and you fly Cessnas at the end of your career, you're flying the 747 from Philly all the way to freaking Australia. Yeah. <laughs> and the company comes back and says, Hey, I got an idea for you. What, what if you, what if we got, we'll run a um, Cessna again. You got, I got a, a 182 from Scranton down to orange Jersey. What do you say? And you're like, ah, I'm just like, oh, and I was like, what if that doesn't really align with what I want to do? And so yeah. You know, we had, it was a great divorce. I left on amazing terms. I'm so close with a lot of people I used to work with there. I'm very, so thankful for the time I spent with them, but it was right there. So that was a key moment. The other, the other moments where I'd have customers sometimes say, I used to get defensive about this. I'd be like, when I talk to you, it's not the same as when I talk to everybody else inside your company. It's mm. And I used to be like, it used to make me feel uncomfortable or it would make me feel like, why do you put my teammates down there? And, but I, I understand it now what they were saying. And so like, to me, there was this voice in my head that kept saying, go, oh, oh, it's time, it's time. And I was like, I'm super loyal, obviously being there 20 years, but sure. I knew once I got out and I was like, it's time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, and I, and I read this book called the surrender experiment, which was a little out there from a faith perspective, but it like, it really spoke to me on just surrendering to essentially life flow, yeah. trusting that what you've done for 46 years of life has worked fairly well. Right. You know, you're not living in a van down by the river and you're in jail, <laughs> you know, but, and you don't have to have all the answers. Right. And like something, so what's your three or five year goal? I don't know. Huh. Who, who, who knows that? I mean, some people think they do to me. I know I just want to serve the, you know, what yep. at every person I want to be as present as I can. Yeah. Uh, I'm not concerned about, I got to have 13 clients coaching. I got to make X. And I think what's the, the beauty in that for me, Brian, is that I started my consulting business at a, at a spot where, um, you know, when I, was, when I was in corporate America, all those metrics, revenue metrics were super, I was prevalent. Now, it's not as important to me anymore. Yeah. And I'm doing well, but I'm not, right. it's not about like how many, how much, it's me, like how many people am I serving and how many, yeah. and I know I'm going to be just as successful long-term from that mindset. I'm convinced. Well, I, I think what you said is really interesting. And, and uh, you know, I think it's a, what you did is a really difficult thing to do because you were probably making a lot of money at K-Force and you got a pretty good gig going. You've got, you've got a great income. You're, you've got a good life going. And to say, you know what? It's not really about this. I'm not thrilled. I know I can do something different 
better. But I do think that takes a lot of courage to give up the steady high paycheck and make a leap to go and like, I'm just going to figure this out. Were there times where you had people around you going, Casey, you're insane. Like you've got a great job. What are you even thinking about doing? Sure. And I think even like my wife, I probably, you know, my wife was like, are we sure you want to do this? Like, honey, I am, I I can't, I don't want to be in something where my heart's not in it anymore. Yeah. Yep. And you know, there was definitely like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. I I think my in-laws are a little nervous. Like, are you guys good? I'm like, yeah, we're good. For, we're definitely, we're not, I'm not stupid. We're not going to just like, yeah. you know, you know, and, and I remember also back to your question about what, what, what changed or what was the tipping point? Yeah. And I had a client say, go change the world. Mm. And that was a big statement. I didn't really, I mean, you know, I definitely believe in myself, hence the word believe behind me, but yeah, I, I'm on a mission to do that. Like I have, I, I, I'm convinced that curiosity is a superpower that none of us use enough of. Um, it, once people really apply that curiosity, watch what happens to your business relationships. Um, you'll become less judgmental. Like Ted Lasso says, be curious, not judgmental. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, and I don't look back because I know that I can always go back to corporate if I want to, but right now I'm fair point, you know, I'm serving dads in the podcast, you know, thankfully I'm lucky to meet a guy like you and have you on the show and your episode will be out later this year. And yeah. And I just, I you know it's just, it's rewarding. It's fun. I get to have balance. I'm with my kids who are, you know, both kids are going to be in high school, which is a trip. Yeah, that is a trip for real. Well, you know, the one thing that you talk a lot about is you help people that are stuck get unstuck. What are some common reasons you see people sort of getting stuck? I, I, I think people get stuck a lot. They know they feel, they just feel off and something's not right and they want to change something, but they can't pinpoint exactly what it is. When you work with your clients, how are you able to, to say like, all right, here's what's making that, uh, that itch scratch so much? I think one word, curiosity. Mm. I, I love hearing someone say, ah, oh, great question. Yeah. I don't ask two questions inside of one question and confuse the prospect or the client. Yeah. Meaning that, so Brian, how, so what's going on in your world and how, how can I help you? And really what's, what's biggest challenge for you? And what are you doing this weekend? Right. You asked me like four questions. Four questions. Which one do you want the answer to? Right. Versus yeah. <laughs> tell me two things that have you excited and two things that got you frustrated right now. Yeah. And I'm going to shut the F up and look at them until they talk. I don't care if it's three seconds, four seconds, and then they're going to say something. And then I'm going to say, great, tell me more about that. And the number of times I've said, tell me more about that. Guess how many times people said, hey, go after yourself. I don't want to go tell me more about that. Zero. Zero. That yeah. hasn't happened yet. Right. Um, I learned that framework from a guy named John Kaplan. Ted, okay. tell me, explain, describe. Mm. Sounds really, really simple. It's absolute gold. So I follow the TED framework. I teach the TED framework. It's... Um, um, so, so I, tell, it, wait, just real quick, I just want to make sure. Tell me, explain, explain, describe, describe. Okay. So all the questions I ask, I do, I work really hard to only use those starting of sentences. Gets people talking. Listen to like um, podcasts that have a lot of, or really good interviewers. Yeah. They use TED all the time. Yeah. You're the first person I've heard that, uh, that, that I'm going to write this down, uh, that, that has that methodology. So that's great. I love it. Is there a common reason that you see people get stuck and that, uh, that, you know, are just not feeling fulfilled? Sometimes it's as simple as the word behind me, belief. Yeah. Self-doubt, confidence, self-talk. 
the things we tell ourselves. And so like a lot of times I also do work for a company called Limitless Minds, which is Hen and I um, do consulting work for them together. Yeah. And, you know, at Limitless Minds, I, I heard, I've, I've learned from some of our smart brain science folks that when we say things out loud, it increases that thought of happening by 70%. Yeah. You know, I tell the Bill Buckner story when I speak, you know, people don't know that story. It's, you know, I'll tell it real quick. So not, I don't know if you know it, Brian, but like Bill Buckner's, he's known for the, you know, the ground ball between the legs. Yep. In yep. the World 1986 series. World Series. Yep. But people don't know that 19 days before that, he got interviewed by a local Boston radio station. They said, man, Bill, how, where are you at? How's your mindset? He's like, man, this is, I'm, I'm here. I'm at the World Series. This is like my dream. I've, I've always wanted to be, to be here. I've had you know, the dream. I'm going to hit the home run. And I also have the nightmare that I'm going to get a ground ball hit to me. It's going to go between my legs, lose the World Series. No way. I didn't know that. 19 days before World Series, he said that. So was he a prophet? No. Was he predicting, predicting the future? No. But it proves the point that when we say things, speak things into existence in the, in the, in the subconscious, that thought's there. Can, yeah. And so what I train people is imagine if like, we all have self-talk. We all have it every single day. Absolutely. But thoughts become, Colin Henderson, my colleague, he said, there have, things happen twice in your life. Once when it happens in your mind, and then once when you go make it ha- happen in life. So, right. So it happens twice. But I always teach people, imagine your self-talks like traffic. Yeah. So if you're on a bridge, a mile long bridge, and it's dead bumper to bumper, how often was the average person going to roll their window down and, hey, what's your name? Get, you get time for a minute? Like you share a Coke or smoke or talk? No, no one's going to do that. Literally never. Yeah. Never. So let's pretend these negative self-thoughts are those same cars. Let them yeah. go right by. Don't even look at them. Interesting. Ignore, ignore them. Yeah. I, or, I find that self-limiting belief to be very, very for real. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you get in, you start talking about what your goals are and people are like, oh, well, I mean, it's not, you could go way bigger than what you think. And if you actually set a goal that is as big as you think it could be, uh, it, what could happen? It would be, as you said, limitless. Yeah. Imagine if, if Barack Obama when he was young, said, I want to be the first African-American president. Oh, yeah. are you an idiot? No right. one's going to do That's that. never going to happen. Or Oprah. Yeah. Or like I told my daughter, yeah. why not go be the first female president? Yeah, it's true. Some, someone's going to do it. Yeah. I, I believe in that why not me mentality. Um, it, it, yeah, it's funny you say that why not me because uh, I'm a huge Phillies sports fan. Roy Halladay, when the Phillies were going into the, uh, they finally got into the playoffs. He said, why not us? And it was the most logical thing. It's like, well, somebody has to win it. Why shouldn't it be us? You know? So I think that's a, uh, I love that, that thinking. You have to start with belief every day, every day. Like I know I believe what I do matters. Yeah. thousand percent. And I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not, I'm not asking someone to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do myself. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking someone to do something or coach them based on what I think might work. I'm doing it because I know either it works or it doesn't work for my own failures or success. Yep. And so I believe, and so when you believe, like how are you going to sell a product if you don't believe in it Yeah. or believe in yourself? Yep. I, I'm so, I think the best coaches teach people and say, I made all these mistakes. I can help you not do that or get around that or get through that. I think that's a really powerful thing to be able to help people with. It's back to the vulnerability piece and the humility. Yeah. I think I, those are my, that's my equation for leadership, humility plus vulnerability. Yeah. Equals leadership. Best leaders I've worked for, they don't talk about, hey, let me tell you how great I am. Right. I'm a I'm a big deal. I have many, many leather bound books and my 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 place <laughs> smells of rich mahogany. Mahogany. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's 
let me tell you about a time I sucked. Yeah. And let me tell you about, or I'll, sometimes I'll lead with, hey, I was the number one guy at this company for 10 years, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? My phone number is not 911. I'm right. not that important. And neither are you. Yep. And guess what? I left in March of 2019 and that company's killing it without me. Yeah. They don't, I mean, sure. They had a great, great memories, great relationships, but they're moved on. Yeah, sure. So it's like, man, we better as well stay humble because life will humble you anyways. Very true. I, I actually find the vulnerability part pretty fascinating where you teach people to be, that makes them a great leader. I don't feel like that is the corporate mantra. You're not, you're supposed to be someone else when you're the leader. Like you're supposed to have a, you know, a mask on and you're supposed to be the strong, never breaking type of person. How are you able to like get through that old school mentality to be able to punch through that and teach people like, no, no, they actually want to know that you had a bad day or that things aren't going well, or that you're stressed out about something or anxious about something. So usually I'll lead with questions, curiosity again. And then I'll say, I say, tell me how, tell me how much vulnerability or humility is, is within your core values or your organization. Oh, we're great. We're great. Casey. We have, we have a lot of humility. I'm like, man, that's awesome. And vulnerability, like, like you, you guys are encourage questions and, and you encourage people to speak up and remove, we want to remove fear. Oh yeah. That's really, really good. Okay. Oh, man, that's great. You guys are elite. Good for you. Tell me the last time you've explained where you've effed up in front of your entire team. Mm. Tell me, tell me the time that you in front of your entire team have told them uh, what, where you've struggled recently, or, or tell me the last time you've told your team where there's, this is one area of your life. You wish you were better. Mm. Well, I wouldn't do that. You ain't got vulnerability here, bro. Yeah. So let me know if I need, if I, you can help. That's, that's not even close. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm not trying to be, but a coach is going to tell you what you don't want to hear. It's true. A coach is going to be like the coaches that coach me. They didn't let me off the hook. Yeah. They, they told me things that I didn't maybe want to hear, but I needed to hear. And so to me, when, when I get, once I get them to at least realize that they have gaps, then I say, think about the time. Tell me about a time that you failed. Now, now how, who have you shared that with? Well, no one. Well, think about when you rewind your tape back to when you were two years into the job. And imagine if your leader said, Hey, Brian, did I ever tell you the story about X? No. Yeah. When I really sucked and I was super nervous and scared to come to work <laughs> and I almost wanted to quit. Did I ever tell you that story? No. I said, Have you ever felt that? A little bit. I said, It's okay. Let's talk yeah. about that. It's okay to feel the way. But, and then once we realized it, like, Hey, we all have got those feelings. Like, I wanted to quit freaking 10 times at K Force. Sure. Self doubt, negativity. My, you know, my business got cut. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm yeah. horrible. Yes. I got through it. Sun came up tomorrow. That's true. Well, you you bring up, you talk about another thing, and you brought it up a little bit earlier. But I think it takes you know the humility part of it. I think ego ruins so many things in business, and I feel like once people can say things like, "I'm not good at X. I don't like doing X. Can you help me with that?" I think there's a lot that can be learned. Is it difficult for some? leaders to punch through and really say like, Hey man, you need to drop that and be, be a little bit more humble and check your ego. And how does that usually go when you have that conversation? Yeah. Well, I can think of a couple. That's a really good question. I think about a, a, two different examples. One, I got brought in by an unnamed client <laughs> to coach an unnamed top performer um, who had ego. And what were the most rewarding thing out of that process was again, patience, asking questions. I didn't, I didn't lead. And, and I, and I knew that what I did at my corporate career was like three X of what this dude did. Yeah. Now I wasn't going to lead in with that because he sure. would have been massively <laughs> defensive. I asked questions. I, I complimented him, built him up. 
And, uh, and I said, man, I, I can not really resonates with what you're doing. And he, and he goes, well, did well, tell me what you did? Well, I, I had a pretty good career. Well, like, well, like what? And I said, well, I, I managed blah, blah, blah. And I did this. Well, what, what else? I just gave him little bits. He's like, and then all of a sudden I said, why well, I, I did this. And his eyes just got big. And I said, listen, I'd love, to, I'd love to tell you how I got there. And a lot of lessons learned along the way. I see yes. some of the, some of the things you're doing now. I I've already been through that. Yep. Um, and I learned the hard way and I'd love to be able to share with you how I, how you learn, if you can learn it quicker than I did, we both win. But so, so great. And so he, he came to his own rescue. Right. Yeah. So I think I, I made it his idea. That just kind of like the art of selling the art of selling or persuasion says, if I try to convince you to do something, you're going to resist me. Yeah. If I ask great questions of value to make you realize how great my idea is. You're going to sell yourself. Now, someone might say that's kind of manipulating Casey. And I'll challenge my right back. Just like the person who taught me this said, do you believe what you do matters? I said, yeah. Would you ever try to convince someone to do something where only you benefited? I said, no, we'll never do that. And that's right. called value-based selling. So I think, you know, that point, the other, the other thing around ego, I'll share that was one of the most powerful pieces of advice I got uh, um, at my first job out of college. Shout out to a guy named Dana Milkey, Matt Sorotsky, and then Doug Arthur. They taught me the phrase that said, you can be right or get what you want. Hmm. Really? Can you get both? Can Very you be right or get what you want. Not only is it great leadership advice, yeah. Relation. It's a great marriage advice. Dads. Oh, that, it is right. Yeah, <laughs> that definitely is. <laughs> you know, because too often when we're, when our ego gets in the way, it's, it's now where we're measuring, you know what, and, and that, yeah. right. And to me, when we check our ego, like I always say, do you guys see this hat rack behind me? Well, it's invisible. It's from my ego. I hang yeah. out every day. And we have, we, everybody on earth gets 1,440 minutes per day. No one gets more, no one gets less. And then the clock resets. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like when we, when we stop to think about how great we are, elite, we are, we're not And my college football coach, uncle Rico moment here. He said, Casey, when you have to tell people how good you are, you're not that good. When you're great, they'll tell you. Yes. And I, so love- I, I just love sharing those stories with like leaders. It's like, listen, I know you're smart. Um, one of my other clients, I said, this is the gap. You guys have five teams. I'm coaching the leaders. You're the smartest in the room. Yeah. And no one, none of your teams get to speak. Tell me why that, how that benefits them. Right. Yeah. I get blank stares. Of course. What you just said uh, that your college football coach just said, I, I, when I watch sports, you watch these interviews at the end of the game, obviously a big Eagles fan. We've talked about that before. Uh, Donovan McNabb used to always say, I'm the leader of this team. And I kept saying, if you have to keep telling people that you're the leader of the team, you absolutely are not. So to be able to have that framework where it says, if you're great, other people will tell you is fascinating to me. I love yeah, it. It's so, well, it's kind of like the same phrase. If I'm hundred percent honest with you, let me tell you what I think. Well, why do you have to tell me you're, were you not honest like five minutes ago? <laughs> yeah, Just, exactly. Right. You're right though. It's like to, to st- state the obvious. And I think sometimes a quarterback is usually a leader, but leadership is influence. Leadership yes. is not a title. Yep. Leadership is actions. It's, Walking the walk, it's you know doing the things that no one wants to do and no one's looking. That's right. Yep. You know, yeah, I love this stuff. This is fun. Yeah, me too. So let's talk real quick. Uh, you, you you talked about it a little bit earlier. Tell us the name of the book again. Win the relationship, not the deal. So explain what does that? What what do you think that means? So, um, to me, sometimes people get confused. Like, what do you? You don't want to win deals? What are you, an idiot? I'm like, no, you don't get it. Uh, to me, it's more important to win a person. Yeah, I'm going to win a relationship first. I want to build a relationship. I'm going to win the person, which might mean I might need to walk away from a deal, 
But in the end, I'm going to, if I win people, deals are always going to be there. If I always just try to win a transaction and not the relationship or the person, that's a risk. Great point. You know? And so when I was like, this was probably 10, 12 years ago, I was in Dallas traveling, helping set up like this office that helps support one of our large accounts. And there was like three or four folks that was like my junior. And I was like the big brother they were trying to like impress. And they were just so competitive and wanted to do all these things. And they were just, they wanted to win so bad. And I was like, how do you, I go, I want you to expect yourself to win every deal, but you're not, but how do you win people? How do you win a deal when you lose? And they looked at me like, huh, what are you talking about? I said, think about it. Think about if we lose a deal to ABC company and from the staffing perspective. And then we follow up with that client and said, Hey, Susie, you know, um, thanks for the opportunity to compete. I'm bummed. We didn't, we didn't get that opportunity, but I wanted to follow up to make sure that the, co- the company you chose gave you everything they, they needed, you needed, and that you got a good experience. Just by doing that specific intentional follow-up, I would pick up so many deals because they'd say, Hey, Casey, thanks for following up. The person that we were going to hire, they backed out. Is your person still available? Oh, or, they'd say, or they'd say, Hey, thanks for following up. You know, the client we chose, I haven't even heard from them yet. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I hopefully, hopefully you'll, you will. I mean, you know, and if there's anything I can do in the help future, let me know. Differentiated myself. So, and then it was like, you guys, we have to win relationships, not deals. And right. And I said it, it was like when Griswold saw his tree, <laughs> it was like lightning. I was like, that's it. That's yep. the title. And I remember like, I wrote an article. It was, you know, I look back now, not that good, but at the time I thought it was like, you know, Hemingway Yeah, and <laughs> right. But it was like, winning. And so that phrase kind of got stuck. And then some of my buddies at K-Force would give me a hard time about it, but I'm so glad that it was able to come to fruition. But, and I still live my life that way. I, yeah. you know, it's about making friends. It's about treating your clients like friends, like, or you wouldn't treat your mom or dad that way or your brother or sister or your uncle, but yep. We, but when in business, we're allowed to be a-holes to each other. I don't get it. You know, when you, when you talk about it as when you're so focused on the transaction, People tend to have a tendency to get as a, a former partner of mine who passed away, who was the man, he used to say, you get commission breath and people can smell commission breath a, mm. a mile away. When you literally are interested on focusing on building the relationship <laughs> and knowing, hey, I lost this case, but uh, or I lost this deal or whatever. But if I stay, if I you know have a good relationship with this person, at some point, they might rem- they'll remember that and come back to me and say, hey, that didn't work out. I think that's that's awesome. And I think that's such a powerful thing that gets lost, especially in that high pressure sales environment. Well, not only that, but to your point earlier about center of influence or COIs, you know, they, they, that's all that mindset will massively help people build more yes. centers of influence. Yep. When you're serving others, you're not worried about yourself. Yeah. I mean, you are, but you're not, you're not leading with it. You're leading with like service and, and helping others. And in the end, the client, the prospect or the center of influence are going to be like, Hey, man, Brian, you've sent me four referrals. How can I help you? Oh, Hey, yeah. thanks for asking. Yep. Yeah. I'd really love to learn about this. But as you said, if you keep score and you go, oh, I sent him four, they didn't send me anything that, that I don't like that guy anymore. That, that's a, that's a different mentality. I, I think you're so right about that. Now, let me, for the, for the, for the person that's little, I would say, um, not buying into what I'm saying. If it's a yeah. hundred to zero, maybe I'll keep score then. Sure. F- fair point. Fair point. Right. But I'm yeah. talking about like nickel and diamond one for one tit for tat. Like, well, hey, you, I took you to lunch last week, Brian, and 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 my bill was 1346 at McDonald's. Yeah. And you only took whoppers were 99 cents. And so uh, yeah, let's let's even this thing out a little bit. That's a race to the bottom for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um I love the theme of your podcast. Uh 
talk a little bit about how you came up with it and why. Um, heavy. So I am pro woman. I'm pro diversity. I'm pro equity. I love, I love helping others. I love, um, attacking my own gaps as a white middle-aged privileged guy who come as they come. When I, when the podcast was out, it was really the me too was, was, and then I sometimes heard this thing called he too. There's not a lot of he too. And then I thought, you know, there isn't a lot of thing for dads out there. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I was like, huh, maybe that's a good way to do it. And I knew I wanted to start a podcast because I love learning and being curious. And then I was like, okay, what, how can I put a play on words in this? And I thought about, you know, quarterback, I'm, you know, Quarterbacks traditionally leaders of the team. Well, hey, maybe a quarterback and a dad. Dad traditionally can be a leader of the house, but wives could be just as absolutely good or better. And a lot Mine of times the wives sure. are the yeah, the wives are usually the general manager. Yeah, hired the hire the quarterback. Great way uh, to put it. You know, and uh, and so then I was like quarterback dadcast. I said that sounds like a cool name. And then um, I just I had a shout out to my my college group college teammate guy named Ty Nunez who. He's the one that really helped me. He says, dude, stop talking about it. Let's go. I'm coming to your house right now. We're going to build this thing out. That's great. And he got me off my, you know what? And he was my first episode and he interviewed me. And then, um, I've, I mean, he's the number one reason why this thing's off the ground. And so I like so much gratitude towards him, but it really was just a, a way to help dads speak and talk. And because most guys are not vulnerable. Most guys don't talk about their feelings. Yeah. Most guys are afraid to talk about last time they cried. <laughs> uh, most guys, you know, aren't going to admit they're wrong. Most guys aren't are afraid to say, I'm sorry. Most guys are not going to go out of their way to say, tell me how I can be a better dad this week. Yeah. Tell me how I can be a better husband this week. And if I can help put a dent in the dudes that are got their ego in the way and realize that, Hey bro, we, we have all got gaps. Yeah. And if we can help inspire our, our sons, to, to be better and then show, teach our daughters what they should expect in a future partner. Great point. Great point. Um, and you know, I don't, I have two, two sponsors, Acme homes and catch sick of seafoods. They just literally, I don't charge them a lot. They help just cover my costs yeah. to help keep this thing going. And I'm so grateful for them because, you know, they're getting brand awareness. We're supporting dads and, um, it, and it's, and like I mentioned early, in the early part of this conversation, it's definitely become more of a, business development relationship tool as well. Cause my clients that coach, they hear about it and they want to be a guest. Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. That, 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 so from my personal experience being on it, we talked about things that I hadn't, li- I literally hadn't talked about in 10 plus years. And we went down a path that I was like, Holy crap. I just met this guy. And you know, I'm like d- bearing my soul to him, which, was, <laughs> which was fascinating to me. Cause I'm everything that you talked about, like the stereotypical dad, not super in touch with the feelings, you know? And I think it's a really great thing to see uh, to, for, for you to be a champion of like getting other dads going and, and helping them be better. Um, we all want to be better dads, you know, in the grand scheme of life. So t- to be able to do that, I think is awesome. And I commend you for that. I appreciate it, man. Well, that, that's actually one of my, my new goals is when I hear people say that. So like when we get done recording, they're like, sometimes they'll say, holy crap, I feel like I just got done therapy. Yeah. That was right. That was, or they'll be like, I've not talked about that in 20 years. Yeah. Literally. And actually another thing, as we were, we wrapped up, <coughs> yes, we were talking off, off, uh, off air. And, uh, you said, you remember what you told me about a, a dirty word? Need to. Yeah. Or have to have to should. Yeah. And yeah. I had mentioned that, yeah, I really need to take my daughter out on a date. And I, uh, <laughs> after you, t- you called me out on that and I was like, 
damn. He's I asked for permission first too. You did. You did. That is true. You did. So I'll have you know that we went out on date on Saturday night and we had a fantastic time. So, Let's go. Yeah, oh boy. What'd yep. you guys do? We went out to dinner and then we went out for ice cream. We were going to do like mini golf and stuff, but uh, we, that didn't end up happening. Uh, but we had, we actually had an unbelievable time. My daughter's 14. She's going to high school next year. There's a lot to talk about, you know, a lot of emotions going in at a, for a 14 year old girl heading in high school. So it was wow. a great way to connect with her. So I have to thank you for that. So good. Well, Hey, a coach is only as good as a student. So way to go, man. That's awesome. Right. Very cool. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. All right, Casey. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was, I loved it. Love talking to you. I could talk to you for hours. If people want to learn a little bit more about you, uh, where can they go? I would say the best way is visit my website, which is just kcjcox.com. I'm big into LinkedIn. So that's a great way to connect with me. I love connecting with people, learn about other people's business. So there's, you want to connect with me that way. Um, if you want to check out my book, you can find it on Amazon. It's available via Kindle, Audible. I narrated it myself awesome. or paperback. And then if you want to check out my podcast, it's, it's on all the main major podcast players. And we come out every Thursday morning. Fantastic. I love it. If you want to connect with me on the Untapped app, my username is brcarney7. To learn more about how our firm helps business owners with their financial planning, visit riversedgeadvisors.com. And finally, to hear past episodes of the podcast, go to happy-half-hour.com. Now, moment of truth for this beer. It's not bad. I love Kate May. I would give it a three out of five. I would definitely drink it again. I wouldn't go crazy for it, but I, I liked it. Kate May is awesome. Casey, thank you so much again for your time. Wish you the best and, and cheers to you. Thanks, brother. Thank you for listening to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, sponsored by River's Edge Advisors. For more information on how River's Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share beer, Follow him on Instagram at Rivers Edge Advisors underscore LLC.